Hey, good morning. How you doing? Come on, good morning. Hey, uh, welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and I am aware that it's Super Bowl Sunday. How many of y'all are going to watch the Super Bowl when you leave here? Come on, let me hear it. All right, there's seven of you are going to watch it, so that's exciting. Um, I, I would have been way more into it had Patrick Mahomes made it, but when you, when you endorse somebody from the stage, uh, normally that comes back to bite you, and so therefore I won't be watching that. Um, hey, just a couple of announcements before we get into the Word today. First, if you're looking to connect, we would love to connect with you. You can do that a couple different ways. Uh, when you walked in, you were given a brochure, and inside that is a paper connection card. We'd love for you to fill that out. Um, or if you'd like to do it uh, just through, through a digital way, we have what we call text to connect. And so that information will be on the screen, especially for all those watching online. And you can text to the number uh, victory or text to the number 31996, the phrase victory 18. And so when you do that, what's going to happen is going to send you a digital connection card. You can fill that out. And then after service, if you're here in person, you can do us a favor. You can take either that card or proof on your phone that you filled out the digital card to our Welcome Center, and we'd like to give you a gift just to say, hey, thank you so much for spending your Sunday, especially Super Bowl Sunday, uh, with us and being a part of our church. Um, also, if you're looking for a way to give, and so we're able to do so much every month in outreach. We were able to be able to move to our permanent facility coming up, uh, all because of the faithfulness of those that call Victory Church their home. And so if you're looking for a way to do that, you can do that through three ways. One is our online portal, which will be our website, our app. Uh, you can also text to give, just like you text to connect. That information will come up on the screen. Um, or as you're leaving today, there'll be somebody right out by the door, auditorium host with a bucket. You can drop cash, check, uh, whatever you want to do that way. Anytime we talk about giving here, we love to turn around and express what we're able to do because of the faithfulness of those that call Victory Church home. And so what we're kind of doing this year, we're testing this out, is taking each month and highlighting a different outreach partner that we, uh, that we partner with. And so this month, you might have heard me say last week that we're focusing on the YMCA. And so for those that are here in person, when you came in, you saw there was an information table out there where you can grab some information about the ministries they do, as well as they're giving free blood pressure screening. And so take advantage of that. It's Healthy Week at the YMCA, so they'll be doing that all week. And then next Sunday, uh, the executive director, Hodge Patterson, will be here to just share real briefly about some of the things that they're doing. There's so much, I love the way he says this, there's so much more than just a swimming gym. They do so many different things from after breast cancer ministry uh, to domestic violence ministry, youth empowerment. There's so many great things that we get to partner, partner with them with. And if you weren't here in December, I'll share this with you, we were able to partner with them financially, and we gave Christmas to 20 kids. Come on and give God praise for that. It was incredible. And so we were able to do that. And so anyway, I just want to introduce you to them and let you see all that we, uh, all that they do and all that we support with them. And again, meet him next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Uh, also, real quick, before we get in the Word, when you came in, you were given one of these brochures. And there's a couple of different reasons you want this. First of all, it does have some events that I'll get to in a second. But as you open it up, it has what we're calling the frequently asked questions about our move coming up uh, in March. Uh, it's not every question that might be asked, but it's what we thought were some of the most important ones. What's the address? When do we move? A few other things. So take this home with your read over those so that you can be educated. Our goal over the next four to five weeks is to keep you as informed as we can about the move so that when we get ready to go, you'll be ready and we'll be ready to see all that God's going to do through us in that new location. 
But there are some events, and I want to hit them real quick. First is next Sunday is our next growth track. Normally, we do growth track at the end of the month, but with some scheduling issues, we're going to move it up to next Sunday. So if you've been coming and you've been wanting to go through growth track, learn more, get plugged in, you can do that next Sunday right after service. Uh, Also, on the 27th will be our next communion that we'll do together as a church on February 27th. And then March 1st, which is a Tuesday night, check this out, it's our first men's night of the year. Come on and get happy about that. So what are we doing? You can register. The information's on here. We're going to, uh, I believe it's Stars and Strikes here in Smyrna for an axe night. And so for $13, watch this. For $13, you can throw all the axes you want to throw. Is that not awesome? Now, they do have targets. You can't throw them at people, but uh, you can try it if you want. But it's Taco Tuesday there. It's just going to be a great time. We've already got 10 guys registered. And so jump on there and register. It's going to be a great time hanging out. You want to do that. Just a couple of exciting things that are happening here at Victory over the next couple months. And again, as we've been sharing, uh, we'll get the keys to our new building on the 23rd of February. And then, yeah, come on, give God praise. Don't make me shout. Look. And our goal right now is March 20th will be our first Sunday service in the building. Uh, It's going to be exciting. Look, look, y'all already getting me excited, okay? Because y'all were talking to me last Sunday. Y'all start talking to me, and we're going to have fun in this place, all right? So so be vocal with me today. You ready for the word? You ready for the word? All right, we've been in a series called Promises, where we are uh, taking all the different promises that God has made us throughout Scripture. We mentioned at the very beginning that there were over 7,000 promises that God made throughout Scripture, and we're taking different ones, and we're highlighting them. And so today, I want to introduce you to one that you may have heard before, but you didn't quite believe it. So you received it, but you didn't quite believe it. So if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, whether it's your paper Bible or your phone. If you don't have either, it'll be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So you've got 1 Corinthians, then you've got 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 12. We'll read through to verse 18, and then uh, be ready for our promise. So we got that for us. Throw that up for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. It says, Therefore... This is now Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to the church in Corinth. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope, that hope being the resurrected, resurrection, resurrected Jesus, we are very bold. We're very bold about our faith because our Savior resurrected from the dead. Nobody else's God, little g, ever did that. Ours did, so we're very bold about our faith. And then he goes, we're not like Moses. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Now, let me explain that real quick. In the Old Testament, Moses would go and be in the presence of God, and because he was in the presence of God, his skin would literally glow, and so he would put on a mask or a veil that would hide the fact that when his skin quit glowing, it was giving off that impression that the presence of God that was on him was fading, and so he would put on a veil to kind of hide that. So that's what uh, Paul's talking about here. He goes on to say, but their minds were made dull, For to this day, same veil remains when the old covenant is read. And so he's talking about the old covenant and the works aspect and the idea of working out yourself, or not working out your salvation, but but the works, following the law to be saved. The the Old Testament, the old way, pre-Christ, you're just putting the veil back on because any time that our faith or our salvation is dependent on us, we're putting on a mask, right? He says it's not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So only because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ can that veil be taken away. And even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone, everybody say anyone, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So anytime that somebody comes to Jesus, 
That veil is taken away. The law is fulfilled through what Christ did. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Y'all, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's, it's a song. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. So there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And here we go. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, and we, here's the promise, you ready? We all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to answer a question. The title of my sermon is a question, and I'm hoping that I can answer this question with my message today. And this question is evidence that a lot of time, the idea of change and transformation becomes heavy on us. And so, so here's the question I want to answer today. Will I ever change? Will, will I ever change? You ever asked that question before? When you meet Christ and you start wanting to live for Jesus and then the old you comes back, or may I say the old you never left, and you find yourself doing things and you, maybe, maybe you asked it privately, maybe you asked it publicly, but the question was, will I, will I ever change? Have you ever had somebody tell you that you look like somebody, right? You ever had that happen? Uh, normally, it's a celebrity, right? How many of you ever had somebody say you look like a certain famous person? Raise your hand real quick if you ever had that happen. Um, somebody, some of our friends told Darla she looks like Kristen Bell. Do you know Kristen Bell? Um, she, of course, she's gorgeous. Darla is. I don't know much about Kristen Bell, but they said they look like. When, when I was in high school, I had to save myself on that one. Did you see that? Uh, <laughs> When I was in high school, I was referred or compared to Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. Y'all are laughing way too hard at that comparison. Um, it's a glow up, guys. It's a glow up. I, I got it. I understood it. I wasn't mad about it because it, it made sense. Uh, and later on Facebook, I'll try to put a picture of me up with Bobby King of the Hill, and, and especially pre-beard. And you're like, what beard? Look closer. It's there. Okay. Um, pre-beard, though, it was, it was more Bobby Hill. But, but I'll never forget this moment. We were, Darla and I were what they call next generation pastors. We were over the kids, the youth, and the young adults. And my assistant was a young lady by the name of Olivia. And we were having these, these services that youth and young adults would come to. It was the youth service, but we had young adults that would come. And so it was really just more of a, of a student service, I guess you might say. Um, and she had been trying to invite her best friend, Tori, to come to our service. And Tori finally came. And, and praise God, Tori got saved and, started, and still lives for the Lord and went to church and all that kind of stuff. But that night after that service, she texted Olivia and she said to her, your pastor looks like Channing Tatum. I feel like that's a different laugh. I feel like the Bobby Hill laugh was a laugh where you believed it. And that, okay, we'll get back to that, you sinners. Um, and so obviously, like you felt, she didn't believe that. She, wasn't, she, she didn't agree with that. Um, and so Tori started sending her pictures of like me beside him and all these different things, and, and she still wasn't having it. I think the reason she didn't want to have it is because right around that time, Channing Tatum had won that like hottest man alive deal on the magazine. So I get it, right? It's okay. We, we can admit it. Um, but a few weeks later, we're at a, at a restaurant, restaurant called, uh, I think it was Bonefield. I can't remember what the restaurant was called. But we're in the restaurant, and we're eating, and the waiter, the first time the waiter comes up to our table, he walks straight up to our table, and the first thing he says to me is, has anybody ever told you you like Channing Tatum? And we thought somebody was playing a game on us, because like, like, what are the odds? So we're like looking around the restaurant, trying to see who did it, and, and that wasn't the case. Like literally, he was just coming over to tell us that. 
And so obviously when I went back to work the next day, I told Olivia, you're not going to believe this. Like I'm the hottest man in the world. Like it's how it is. Um, and then a few months go by and I'm officiating a wedding that Olivia is one of the bridesmaids in. And they have all of us in this room and we're getting ready for the wedding. And, and there's a wedding coordinator there that, that you know, just that somebody's paid to be in the wedding. And she's coming in, putting all of our boutonnieres on. So we're all in the same room and we're all just kind of having conversation. And the lady gets to me. She's never, I've never met her in my life. And she's putting the boutonniere right here on me. And she's short. And she looks up at me and she goes, do you know who you look like? And as soon as she said it, I just looked over to Olivia, like, get ready. I just was confident. And she said, you look like Channing Tatum. And I was like, come on, Olivia, like, believe it. And then here's what the woman said. She said, but do you move like Channing Tatum? And I was familiar with Channing Tatum being in this movie called Step Up, where he's kind of a hip hop dancer. And so I was like, well, you know, do you mean Step Up Channing Tatum? And she said, no, Magic Mike Channing Tatum. I said, whoa, get off me. I'm married. I'm married, and she'll beat you up. You know what I mean? You need to back up. Back up. Uh, but, but here was my situation. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem receiving that comparison, right? But I had a problem believing it. Like, like it's one thing for, for me to receive that compliment. You can tell me I look like that, and I'll receive it. But when I'm, like, alone looking in the mirror, I, I struggle with believing it. And what I think is so interesting about 2 Corinthians is that it promises that you and I, listen to this, this is a promise for you, that you and I, when we behold the glory of God, beholding the glory of God means when you are in church worshiping, when you're at home worshiping, when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're serving, when you are beholding the glory of God, you and I will be transformed or changed, whichever words you want to use. It will be transformed or will be changed. But the promise is not that you and I will be changed into a better us. It's not the promise. The promise is that you and I will be changed to look like God. Now listen, I don't have a problem receiving that promise, but I have a hard time believing it. You know what I mean? Like, like I appreciate you saying it. And, and, and I understand that it's a promise in the word of God, and I want to receive it. But when I look in the mirror, I have a hard time believing it. Because I don't know about you, but, but I tend to be a little bit roller coaster uh, in, in my performance and in my life. You know, for example, like, like there are days where I, am, I feel like a worshiper, but then there are days where I feel like a warrior. Worry, not, 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 not a warrior, but, a, but I worry. A worshiper one day. You ever been that? Like one day you're all, oh, God's so good. He's, he's never going never gonna to lose a battle. And then the next day you think he lost every battle. You know what I mean? Then there are days where I feel powerful or I feel purposeful. And then there are days where I feel petty. <laughs> there are days where I feel righteous. And there are days where I feel ratchet. And it's just interesting for me because I kind of have this roller coaster process where there are days where I would look in the mirror and go, man, I, I resemble God. And then there are days where I don't. And so because of that roller coaster, listen to me, the idea of transformation or the idea of changing into the image of God becomes heavy and it becomes burdensome. But true Christianity, true Christianity is not about a finish line. It's not about us arriving at a certain place. It's about an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And because Christianity is about an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, watch this, it's a joyful journey of transformation. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that the idea of you changing to be like God was supposed to be enjoyable? It wasn't supposed to be stressful. It wasn't supposed to be about condemnation. It wasn't supposed to be about you waking up going, oh, I'm terrible again. It was supposed to be a joyful journey. Well, how's it possible? How, how, how could transformation be joyful? Here's how it's joyful. God gives us, God's grace gives us the freedom to face God and then face the truth about us. God's grace gives you the ability and the freedom to come face-to-face -face with God, face-to-face -face with his word, and come face-to-face -face with the truth about you. And then the fact, watch this, knowing that you are fully loved and knowing that you are fully accepted by him despite the truth about you, then we now seek to be transformed. We want to be transformed because we are overtaken by his grace, all right? Let, let me get very uh, uh, Bible for dummies for a second. Because I love Jesus and because I know Jesus loves me, despite what I do, it excites me and I want to be transformed through him. It's not condemnation, it's not heavy, it's not burdensome, it's fun. It's a joyful journey. I'll be honest, it's one of the best things about Christianity. But our culture has taught us that it's exhausting and that it's impossible and that it's a work by which you should do. And so when every day you wake up and you look in that mirror and you don't feel like you look like God, you feel like a failure. And so now you are exhausted, and now you are angry. And watch this. We are transformed by the presence of God. But when we don't see transformation, for some reason, we run away from the presence of God. Every sinner that I've ever, every person I've ever been friends with who, who found themselves in a place where they were wanting to give in to more sin, do you know what they did in the local church? They ran from the local church. They ran from their Christian friends. Why? It's in the presence of God that we are transformed. But the devil tells us, if you don't see yourself transforming quick enough, run away from the very presence of the one who transforms you. I'm getting way too into my message too quick, all right? So let's, let's rewind for a second. Here's the promise I want to make you this morning. The promise is this. You are becoming like him. That's the promise. It's, it's not um, spiritual jargon. It's not trying to make you feel good so that you want to come to church, it is a promise in the Bible that you are becoming like God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians for a second. Chapter 3, verse 18. Let's read it again together. Don't want you to think this is a Troyism. It's a Bible verse. And we all, we, we who? All. What does that word all mean in, in uh, Greek? You know what it means in Greek? All. That's what it means, okay? We, we, we all, we all, who with unveiled faces, in other words, when we stop trying to do it ourselves, when we just let God be God, when we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory to glory to glory. In other words, even in the process, you're getting better and better and better and better. Here's what I love about this verse, was that little word that was in there that said, 
being. The B-E-I-N-G. I love that it doesn't say you are transformed. You were transformed. Or you've been transformed. When you read that verse and you catch the word being, you understand that the process of transformation is a work in progress. You are being transformed. That's what's important for you to understand. We are being transformed as we behold the Lord's glory. Now, here's what can become frustrating about, about change, right? Sometimes you and I doubt the legitimacy of this promise. You, 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 you hear it, but you doubt it because we do not seem to be changing fast enough. You ever been there? Where, where you doubt, where you struggle with this promise because you're not changing fast enough. Here, when, I, when, I, when I wrote that down, here was my thought. You ever seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith? Remember when he gets, uh, 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 oh, what's it called? Allergic, when he, when he has an allergic reaction and his face gets all puffy and he goes in the store and gets Robitussin or whatever it is and he's drinking it and he'll drink it and go, come on, and he'll drink it, come on. I feel like that's how we treat Christianity. Like we meet Jesus and be like, come on, change me, right? I wanna, I wanna see change right now. I wanna change immediately. And we become frustrated because we do not see the change fast enough. We look at our failures and we look at our weaknesses and we get frustrated thinking that it isn't working. We're being taught that it isn't working. And here's what we've done. Here's what we've done. In our culture today, we have confused transformation with self-improvement. That's what we've done. We took a word that God made transformation and we've changed it into self-improvement. We took a promise that said we would look like God and we worked trying to make us look like a better us. And here's the cool part. Not the cool part, but the revelational part. We have made transformation about us instead of making it about the one who is doing the transforming. Listen to me. God changes things. It's what he does. If you saw his resume, one of his highest attributes would be that he changes things. It's in his DNA. It's in his, he just changes things. You don't. He does. He changed a staff into a snake and then changed the snake back into a staff. He changed, a, he changed a shepherd boy into a king. He changed mourning into dancing. He changed ashes into beauty. He changed water into wine. He's a changer. Some of y'all are excited about some of those changes more than others. But it's what he does. God is in the changing business. It's who he is. The most important truth for you and I to know about transformation is who is doing the transforming. You ready for, ready for just a flat-out, huge, eye-opening, weight-lifting revelation? It is not you. It's not you. God never intended for you to change you. You're not in the changing business. He is. It's his job to transform you. And once you understand that, you understand that it's God who is shaping us, molding us, and forming us into the same image or the likeness of God, of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as I wrote that down, I just, I just felt myself say, you know, people are going to struggle with that. People are going to want to argue with that, right? Like, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I got to be involved in some shape, form, or fashion. Like, you're talking about God transforming me. It's not how I operate. I've been taught I need to make myself better. And then I had, I had this thought, I had this illustration. Anybody who's ever seen my 12-year-old daughter, Veda, Veda is a spitting image of her mother. So Darla, long blonde hair, beautiful. Veda's long blonde hair, beautiful. I mean, spitting image, okay? But when she was born, she did not look like my wife. She looked like every other baby, bald and chubby, right? So she, a matter of fact, now that I said that, here's what I struggle with that. Darla used to tell me, she looks like you. <laughs> and now I'm, I just had that thought now, going back like, wait a minute. She didn't, she was just bald and chubby. You mean she looked like me? Like I went from Channing Tatum to bald and chubby. You know? Glory to glory, baby. But she didn't look like her. Matter of fact, I remember her telling me, she's like, I, I and ladies, maybe you'll testify to this. She said, I gave, I, I was in labor and I gave, you know, I carried this girl. That's what she said. I carried this girl for nine months. And she said, if I have this kid and she looks like you, you know what I mean? She was mad about that. So thank God she didn't. But watch this. At about four or five years old, Veda started looking more and more like Darla. Started getting long blonde hair. Features started falling in place, right? Then at about nine or 10, Again, started looking more and more like Darla, and now she's 12, and, and we, were, we were at a drama recently. She's in, she's in drama and play, and, and we were far in the back of the, of the auditorium, and she came on stage, and I was squinting my eyes, and I was like, is that Darla on stage? Like, she looked just like her. It was crazy that, that when she was born, she looked nothing like her mom, but now you fast forward and give it some time, and she's 12 years old, and she's the spitting image. Because there was something inside of her that as time went, it transformed who she was and started making who she is. Listen, it wasn't anything we did. It wasn't anything she did. It was what, the, it was, what was already working inside of her. We just had to give it time. Could you imagine if at six months old, we decided to change her ourselves? If, if all of a sudden I went and got some blonde extensions, you know what I mean, and picked up baby Veda, and we're like hot gluing, I don't know how you put extensions in, but we're like hot gluing blonde extensions, and we put makeup on her, and we went and got baby skinny jeans with holes in them, and, and got her a cell phone and an Arbonne shake, you know what I mean, and we just set her up, and we were like, boom, now you look like Darla, right? There'd be something wrong with that, because we went and forced or tried to Force change that didn't happen naturally, right? We have to understand that it was going to happen. There just had to be a process. We have to understand that the promise of transformation in 2 Corinthians is not a project, but a process. We have to understand that every moment that we spend with God, every moment that you pray, Every moment that you read your Bible, every moment that you are in church, every moment that you worship, every moment that you serve, every moment that you are with God, you are being changed. Here's the best part. Even if you don't notice it, even if you don't have evidence of it, even if you look in the mirror and go, I don't see it, change is happening. 
as long as you are beholding the glory of God. And we will eventually look back and realize, wow, God was transforming us all along. I had this thought, 20-year-old Troy and 37-year-old Troy are very different. Okay, I'm talking about they, they look different, they act different, they're different when it comes to their relationship with God. They're different on how they treat people. They're different on how they treat their spouse. They're different on how they treat their kids. 20-year-old Troy and 37-year-old Troy are completely different. But watch this. In the past 17 years, there was never a moment where I went, oh, I'm changing. There was never that moment. Like, oh, watch out. Look at me. Something's happening. I'm getting better. There was never that moment. Change just happened. And, and as I looked back, I was able to look back and go, wow, there was change. All right, if y'all don't want to amen me on that, I, I'll, I'll get in your business. We'll, we'll do both uh, funny and then not so funny. All right, funny would be, how many of y'all got kids? How many of y'all got kids? Okay. How many times have you shown up at the grandparents' house or, or a family member that you hadn't seen in a while and your kid comes running in? And what's the first thing they say when they see your kid? Anybody know? Huh? You're so big, you're growing like a weed, right? Remember that? That's that South saying. But you didn't see it. Why didn't you see it? Because they were with you every day. And so now all of a sudden, they pop up in front of somebody that hadn't seen them in a while, and they go, wow, I hadn't seen you in a year. I hadn't seen you in three years. You have changed so much. But because you are with them every day, the change isn't as evident to you. You are with you every day. And so the change that's happening in you isn't as evident to you. How about this one? You ever gone about two or three weeks, not went to the gym, not paid attention to what you were eating, and you step up on the scale, right? And it's 10 pounds more than the last time you tracked it. And you're like, what? What happened? Did you, you didn't see that happening, right? You didn't see, it was a process. And as you look back, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand the process. And, and here was kind of what I wanted to share with you. I think you're doing better than you think you are. I, I think you're growing. I, I think you're changing. Listen to me, you're in church on Super Bowl Sunday. You're a real Christian. You know what I mean? Like God is moving in you. You're, you're serving in church, some of you. Some of you, you said, I never serve in church. You're opening doors and holding babies. Look at you. Some of you, you're tithing. You would have never given money to the church. That's all they want to do is rob me. And now you're so blessed, you can't even explain it. You want to give God everything. Look at you. You're changing. Some of you, you lifted one hand during worship today. It was awkward, but you did it. You know what I mean? You're like the Kristen Stewart character with the little hands, like you're figuring it out, right? You don't quite, but look at you. Like it's, it's work. Just stop for a minute and look back. Look at where you were. God has been transforming you all along, and you didn't even realize it. But the more that you behold the glory of God 
And the more you stick with it, the more that transforming happens. And watch this. You'll look back on today, two years from now, four years from now, 10 years from now, and God will still be transforming you because of what's in you. It's a process. The more that we fellowship with God, the more that we pray, the, the more that we seek his presence, the more that we read his Bible, the more that we attend small group, the more that we worship, the more that we, we search after knowing who he really is, the more, the more, the more. Listen, something wonderful emerges. Or better stated, someone wonderful emerges. The more you're in the presence of God, the more someone wonderful emerges. The more you read, the more you pray, the more you're around godly people, the more that you serve God. Whatever you do that beholds the glory of God, it's one more. You know, my, my, my youngest daughter has this little thing on the kitchen table. I've been trying to throw it in the trash for weeks, and I can't get away with it. And it's like, a, it's like an egg. And inside of it is like a, a crystal. It's not real. No, I'd be gone. You know what I mean? But, but it's like a fake. But, you know, she's got these little tools, and she can, like, hit away at it. And it's, slow, and it's taken her, like, a year and a half to even get, you know, because she don't care. But I, I can start to see the little crystal. And I, I just kept walking past that all week, and I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me, that's the process. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. And I'm chipping away. Listen to me. In other words, God's goal is simply this. Watch this. To rub away anything that is not of him so that the inborn image of God can be seen in us. The goal of you being in your word, the goal of you being in church, the goal of you being in small group, the goal of you being discipled, the goal of you putting on a worship song while you're driving on I-24, the goal of all these things is so that God can rub away the things of this world and reveal the image of God, the inborn image of God. Are you ready for this? All right, I'm about to show you a verse that you've heard a thousand times, but I want you to see it in a different way. And I'm gonna actually take a moment and give you a different concept on what transformation and change mean. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter one. All right, this is the chapter of creation. God creates everything. He creates the earth and he creates the night and day and the animals and the waters and the sun, all these different things. He creates everything. There was, there was nothing, it was just a void and then he creates everything. But watch what happens in verse 26. Verse 26 says this, then God said, let us, us is him, Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, let us make mankind in what? Our image, in our likeness. And then he goes on at the end to say this. So God created. The first part is a suggestion. Let's do this. The second part is the fact that he did it. Okay. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He created you. In the image of God, in the likeness of God, he created you. It doesn't matter what, what, what ethnicity. It doesn't matter what pay grade. It doesn't matter what location you're in. You were created in the image of God. Let's back up for a second. You notice he did not say let's create the oceans in our image. He didn't say it. He didn't say, let's create the birds in our likeness. Everything that God created 
Everything he created reflected his glory. But you are the only thing he created that reflected his image. I I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of of certain things that God created. Like, I'm a sunshine man. Like, like I like to be outside in the sun. So I'm a big fan of the beach. I'm a big fan of the lake. I'm a big fan of the pool. All right, that's kind of where I want to be. I want to be in water, and I want to be in sun. When all you people start talking about cold activities, like skiing and mountain looking or whatever you sinners do, I'm like, I'm no, I'm done. There's no point in me going. You can't go on vacation and be cold. Like, I don't understand that, right? I don't understand that. So I want to be around God's creation. I want to be around, you know, the, the sun, the beach. It's amazing. I don't, know how, I don't know when the last time y'all went to the beach is, but, but it's pretty phenomenal to look at. It reflects the glory of God. And then sometime last year, one of the ministries that we partnered with, y'all heard me talk about, is a dream center in Colorado City. And we got to go visit it, and we had to drive through Utah. And while we were driving through Utah, we're seeing all the mountains, and it wasn't that cold, so I, you know, the presence of God was still there. And so we're coming through, and the mountains are there, and they got the snow on top of the mountains and different things, and it was, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was reflecting the image of God. And then around the Christmas time frame, uh, Darla and I went to Chattanooga. I don't know if y'all been to Chattanooga before, but they had this aquarium there, so we went into the aquarium. And when you're going through the aquarium, there's all these crazy animals. I mean, I mean, you name it, right? It was just wow. I mean, it was the first time I had seen a shark in a tank. That was pretty interesting. Not the guys who give you money for your businesses, but it was like an actual shark in a tank. And it was just a phenomenal deal. And we were watching, you know, we're looking at all these animals, and Darla and I are looking at them. We're like, man, look at this thing. Look at its color. And, and, and I'm telling you all this to tell you this. Everything that God created, the purpose of it was to reflect the glory of God. So when you look at it, you say something like this, man, God is amazing. Like that's, that's incredible. Look, look at that frog that you can see through, you know what I mean? Or whatever, I don't know the situation. But like, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's incredible. It reflects God's glory. If God made a hundred things, 99 of them were created to reflect the glory of God. One of them were created to reflect the image of God. One of them were created in the likeness, in the image of God. And that was you. And that was me. So when I take 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, 18, and I put it, line it up together with Genesis 1, here is the revelation I get about change and about transformation, okay? That when it comes to change and when it comes to transformation, it's not about God wanting to change me into something that I am not. It's about God wanting to reveal something that is already inside of me. That's a different definition of transformation. Because if you think that God wants to change in totality who you are, then you will think that God doesn't like you pre-salvation. That is if God made some type of mistake and wants to fix you. But if you understand that God created you in perfection, God created you in the image of God, and then the world and sin got on, onto that image, right, and distorted that image, and now instead of us walking in and proclaiming who we really are and what's really inside of us, we're focused on what's on us, and transformation is not changing who you are. It's getting all of that off of you and revealing what is already inside of you. 
You are already created in the image of God. Everything, holiness, righteousness, it's already in you. He just wants to bring it out. Transformation is not about what's on you. It's what's in you. And here's why that should set you free. Because if it's on you, you have to take it off. If it's in you, you have to allow God to reveal it. Right? So now the work isn't so much on you. It's not exhausting and burdensome for you to change you. All I have to do is get in the presence of God. All I have to do is behold the glory of God. And if I can behold the glory of God, if I can get in the presence of God, if I can read his word, if I can seek his face, then over time, I will go from who I look like now and God will be transforming me. And at some point, I'll look back and go, my goodness, look what he's done. And I will look more and more like him. There's freedom in real transformation. There's relief in biblical transformation. It's you understanding that it's not by law, but by grace. Law says, hey, go get yourself right, and then you'll be allowed in the presence of God. Grace says, get your butt into the presence of God, and he will make you righteous. So, with that being said, here's where I kept landing. What about the people who hear the promise but struggle with the lack of process or progress? Right? What, what about the individuals who, who've heard the promise but have a real difficult time with the lack of progress? Like, I just, you know, I just don't see it. Now, I kind of addressed it with the process and the time frame, but in case you're still hanging on to it, I want to give you just an illustration to take home with you for a moment, an illustration that, that I needed personally, and I think it'll really encourage you. But in order to do that, I need to read another verse to you, because this same promise is introduced later in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's just new verbiage, okay? And the way that the verbiage is this time can actually cause us to be even more frustrated when it comes to transformation. So let's look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 18. It starts off like this, for Christ's love compels us. That right there is the evidence that when we get into the presence of God, we will want to change because Christ's love compels us. It makes us want to be new. It makes us want to transform because of God's love and grace. That's what that little few words means. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I should have the halftime performance at the Super Bowl, right? Eminem, my tail. I'm sorry. He's still working on me. I'm like right here, trying to get right here, you know. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, let me stop you for a second because this isn't my sermon, but I need to tell you this. Here's what he's saying. When we understand that every individual is created in the image of God, it'd be very difficult for us to be racist. It's very difficult for us to be hatred or, 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 or hateful. When we understand that every person is created in the image of God, you can't have prejudice, right? That's what he's saying. It's impossible for us to look at anybody differently and put them down in any shape, form, or fashion if we understand that they are created in the image of God. I won't go that far, but I think you get it. 
go on. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Here it is. Here's the promise. Again, different verbiage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is what? Gone. The old is gone. The new has come. How many of you ever heard this verse before? If I am in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, right? Oh, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. But I want you to read those last few words for a second, okay? Because sometimes we can be in church for so long that we read over something and don't understand the power that vocabulary has on someone who's searching for Jesus, all right? Rewind. The old has gone. The new is here, all right? Let me show you something. Babe, come here for a second. Grab, grab that mirror right there. Come up here and stand and just let the mirror face the audience for a second, okay? Here, here is what I mean by vocabulary causing you frustration when you start to understand the promises of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that when I am in Christ, I am a new creation, right? And we just walked through that, you and I understanding that transformation is a process. But that verse tells me that the old is gone and that the new is here, here is a right now statement. Here is not a in the process. So when I read that the old is gone and the new is here, I struggle because I go to want to look in the mirror and see change now, right? So you tell me that if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. And so something in me wants to come to this and see that the new is here. But we arrive at the mirror and new, at least in our eyes, isn't here yet. And so we struggle, go all the way back to the beginning of my message, we struggle with the fact that we aren't changing fast enough and our fears and our frustrations and our weakness and our failures make us angry and we run away from the presence of God that changed us to begin with because we do not see new now. So to really be able to sell this illustration, I needed to use my, my daughter. So come here, Veda. She was serving in, give it up real quick for Veda. She's, she was, come stand right here for a second. She's serving in nursery today because she's, uh, you know, she loves the Lord. And so she's beholding the glory of God. But I really need you for this illustration because it's not going to really make sense. Until you, so, okay, so come here for a second. Hold that mirror up, babe, where she can see it, okay? So here's, so I just want an idea of when you read a verse that says that we are made new in Christ, and so the old is gone, the new is here, and then we begin to look in a mirror, right? And it's interesting because sometimes when we look in mirrors, we don't necessarily see all the positive things that the Bible talks about, right? We start to see kind of the negative things, and we start hearing that new is here, new is here. It's not coming, but it's here. And so we start to have a struggle with this concept of like, well, but I don't really see it. Here's the problem with mirrors. Mirrors reflect what is on you. Mirrors reflect what you look like now. Mirrors don't have the ability to reflect what's in you. They can only show what's on you. So the problem is technically our mirror. Because when we find ourselves looking for something to show us that we are changing, when we're looking in a mirror for evidence that God is doing something new, the problem is we can only view what's on us and the word says that the new is in us right? When he says the new is here, here's what he meant. When I created you in the image of God, new was already there. 
I mentioned that egg earlier. At some point, they started with the jewel, and then they put something over the jewel. And so when 2 Corinthians 5 tells you the new is here, what it means is the new was already in you when you were created. And so when you start trying to find new in a reflection, the problem is that it's only looking at what's right now. It can't view what's in you. So do me a favor. Close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Keep them closed. I thought I'd get you a new mirror. I thought I'd get you a mirror that addresses more about, don't, don't open your eyes. I'd get you a mirror that's more about what's in you instead of what's on you. So open your eyes for a second. That's the mirror. See what I mean? So you got this situation. Hold on. We're about to shout in a minute. You got this situation where you're trying to figure out how you'll ever be in the image of God. And the only way you can see it is to put the one who made you as your mirror. Because when you got the one who made you as your mirror, you're able to be able to foresee what's going to happen in you. Who's in you? She's in you. And so you went from baby to five-year-old. You went from five-year-old to nine-year-old. You went from nine-year-old to 12-year-old. And this is who's in you. This is the future in you. It's the same way that it works with the presence of God. It's not about that mirror. It's the one who made you. Now, I'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. It's the same for you. The world has taught you to look in a mirror and see what can only reflect what's on you and try to identify what God's doing in you. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to see transformation is to allow the one who made you to be your mirror. And you will be able to see what you are becoming. You know, it's interesting to think that you can act. So can your mom. She acts like she loves me all the time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody was crying. I had to give it a second. You can sing. You've got a beautiful voice. So can your mom, right? You're funny. So is your mom gorgeous. So is your mom. You've never once had to do anything to bring those attributes out of you because they were in you when you were created. You just needed the process. And then it came out natural. So what does that mean for you and for you spiritually? It means that righteousness was always in you. Holiness has always been in you. Beauty has always, perfection has always been in you. Purpose has always been in you. And you don't have to do anything to bring that out. You just have to behold the glory of God. And over time, it will start to reveal itself. So everybody stand with me for a moment. I want to speak prophetically to you for a moment. I want you to understand that when God wrote or when the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures, one verse in the Bible says that, basically says that the Bible is your mirror. So all throughout scripture, it reveals who you are. 
It reveals what's inside of you. It reveals who you're becoming. I don't know about you, but that's a beautiful thing to me. But at some point, our culture twisted it and started making us think that we have to do certain things to be able to achieve it, turn, change ourselves to be it. And what culture did or what the devil did, however you want to put it, is he tried to remove us from the very source that was revealing it all to begin with. The promise is if you behold the glory of God, you will be transformed. So I feel like I need to tell you this morning, you are righteous. You are chosen. You are beautiful. You are holy. Not because of anything you do, but because of what's inside of you. Yeah, but you don't know what I've been. It has nothing to do with what you've been through. God created you in the image of God long before you ever did anything. But then sin came along and tried to distort that image and tried to tell you and me to get to work to try to reveal it. And Jesus has been chasing you from day one to tell you this. Stop trying to change you and just behold the glory of God and he will transform you. He will. I make this joke, I promise I'm fixing to close, but I, I, I just, this is the point where the Holy Spirit starts doing something that I can't do and I gotta let him work because some of you have been trying to change you for years and it's not working. And here's what I love about God is he's chased you for 35 years, 42 years, 17 years, 26 years to this point to try to, he did all of this, downloaded all this in me to try to tell you that you are changing. It's revealing what's in you. Brian Hogwood and I went to the same school together, his wife Erica, we all did. We always joke because people will hear that, that we got into the ministry and they'll laugh. I'm like, what? Hey, those guys? Pastors? You know, that kind of stuff. And I remember one day I was thinking about that and I thought, you know what, God? When was the moment? When was the moment that I went from like high school Troy? I would tell you details, but your kids are in here. To, to Pastor Troy. And I could tell you a whole other sermon how that label doesn't necessarily do what we think it does. But where was that moment, right? When was that moment that all of a sudden I became worthy? When was that moment where I all of a sudden became enough? And then it started to become so clear to me. That was always in me. You know what I mean? I could communicate when I was in high school. I just did it in different ways. I could check you like crazy in high school, you know what I mean? I don't know if y'all know what checking is, but it was always in me. It was just the more that I got into the presence of God, the more he revealed it. But here's the sweet spot. He's still revealing it. And the more I'm in the presence of God, the more he reveals. 
The more he shows me how to be a better husband, the more he shows me how to be a better dad, the more he shows me how to be a better friend, the more he shows me how to understand his word more and how to really, really understand his presence. And so my prayer for you is simply that you would stop trying to change you and just get in the presence of God and watch him transform you. Scout, I'll use you, and they can't go anywhere, so we'll use them, use, use you real quick. Scout, I don't know how many of y'all know him, phenomenal story on our worship team. We like to joke about this. When one of the days, one of our early meetings, you came with a fried chicken bucket on your head. He could tell you some stories. If you had to guess how long ago was that, do you know? 10 years ago. You stand here today, you're married, happily married. You are, you have, how do I, how do I say this? You have overcome addiction. You're an incredible example of a man of God. When did it happen? When did it happen? Was it on my couch? And I come, no, when did, it was a process. So for you, it won't be a moment. You won't be able to pinpoint it. It's a process. And for you, for those like you, you got to stay in the process. We got to keep beholding. We got to keep worshiping. We got to keep praying because God is still revealing and he's still transforming. But would you just shake yourself for a second of the responsibility and just let God do what he does? He's in the changing business. You're doing better than you think you are, but he ain't done yet. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that we would stand on the, pre the promise that we are being transformed into your image. For every person that was taught through the law, through religion, that they have to walk out of here and change themselves. I pray you'd relieve them of that burden and they would just have to, all we have to do is walk out of here and behold you, worship you, praise you, seek your presence. And as a result of that, Father, we're transformed. We're transformed. So I pray right now for every person that you would speak to them like only you can do, specifically to their situation, that you would let them understand that you are revealing in them the image of God. Thank you, Father.